to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines it shines no my light will not just go on hora basaka la mashida bahaya mambro do sagida haya no my light will not just go on it's not enough that you clear you have to be excellent your light no 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before and he has put all things under his side under his side at amplex where is he put them somebody shout it under my feet Then one day we sing above hallelujah amen hallelujah All right so um you know when you sing some of these songs when you sing some of these songs it just blesses you because uh you realize that these things are going to be sorry one day especially the part that says then one day we sing above A day is coming when we are going to sing above hallelujah praise, praise the lord. lord it's coming it's definitely coming when we are going to see to sing above and you know obviously with everything that's happening there's been a lot of emphasis on eschatological teachings which talk about the second coming of the lord which i personally believe is very soon because these are signs of the end of the age and as an age is coming every day that passes is a day closer to the coming of the lord you can imagine When Jesus Christ began to preach he started saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm -hmm. And also when the preachers uh when the apostles began to preach they began to say that these are the last days. Uh he was quoting Joel 2:28 Peter when he was talking about uh, the pouring of the spirit. He said these are the last days. You can imagine 2000 years ago were the last days. Yeah. So that means we are in the final 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 days. Um I, I want you to be careful. Do not be complacent. Do not be like those people who, who said no We've been hearing this for a while. I'm sure it's not going to happen. I'm telling you. You know there are specific times that God has set and we are very close to the final days. You don't want to be left behind. And you start preparing for heaven. Oh yes. You need you know I know you are a believer and stuff like that, but you you have to begin preparing for heaven mentally begin accommodating the thought. So what will be happening in heaven? Otherwise, if you do not think about it, you end up thinking like those people um who think so we are just going to be worshiping the whole day <laughs> there's so much that goes on in heaven okay there's so much that goes on in heaven and, and i remember one time in 2011 i had the same question i was thinking so we'll be worshiping the whole day day and night just saying holy holy like the angels which i dread uh, the bible so i was wondering what's really going to be happening and as i was wondering that about uh, as, as i was wondering about that i was preaching to someone I think a few days later. I, I remember it was around 18 hours. Mm. I was preaching to one person telling him, you know, just selling Jesus to him, just is the best thing you have to be born again. That's preaching the whole thing. Then you know how people want to uh talk about the last days. Um sometimes it's the, it's the only topic that concerns them. 
And so this, this guy was like, you know, I, 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 I love everything you are saying, but I have a question. So I was reading where the Bible says we'll be worshiping God day and night. The angels worship God and they cry out day and night, holy, holy. Are you sure we're not going to get tired? <laughs> I was like, that's the same question I've had. How do I answer? Then as I was, as I was wondering, I was like, oh Lord, what's this? Then I heard the Spirit of God tell me in that moment, did you know that also the, uh, the heavenly host and the 24 elders and the people in heaven also wonder how you managed to go the whole day without crying holy holy? Wow. So I was like, wow. I was like, I was like, I didn't, I don't, I didn't share it right there. I was like, but did you know something? Even the people in heaven, <laughs> it's like how, how Peter received the revelation that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, he didn't say that saved the spirit. He just said, I have the answer. You know what? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. But Jesus had to tell him, oh, flesh and blood does not reveal this to you. <laughs> okay? He didn't guess it. So there are answers which we give to people and we've not guessed them. It's not flesh and blood which has revealed those things to us, but the spirit of God. And that happens a lot to believers. That's the problem. We, we have not exercised ourselves to discern. So sometimes we don't know when God is using us, but at the same time we don't know when the enemy is whispering to us. And so I want you to begin accommodating the thought that when we get to heaven, we are going to be singing. And the same way that we've been wondering how day and night they, uh, they worship God without resting, is the same way we're going to be. It's so addictive. It's so nice. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of things happening. But when we worship God, we'll be so excited. I remember this one time in a vision. I was coming from Chingoda to, uh, to, 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 to Lusaka. And, and, and I, I dozed off. There was a woman this side who had a baby. She was making a lot of noise. And I was just meditating on Jesus. And then I was caught up in the spirit into the heavens and I saw a vision of a very great throng of people, a crowd that's innumerable. With a, there, there was a lot of righteousness and brightness. And I was there. Thank God I was there. I pray you'll be there too. Amen. <laughs> because if you're not going to be there... Uh, anyway, so I was there and there was just a lot of people. I was like, wow. And then there was this huge stage, a podium, and the Lord Jesus Christ went on. It's like we're all waiting and everybody was like, the Lord Jesus is here. Ah! It cried in heaven. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you people who don't like making it cry in church because mm -hmm. you are going to be disturbed in heaven mm -hmm. if you're going to go there. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm just saying, begin contemplating the thought of heaven. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. Type hallelujah and shout somebody. Alright. Now, today I'm going to share with you something very important that I believe every believer must know. Uh, what I'm going to share with you is so important that it will determine your victory in your Christian life. Mm -hmm. It's going to determine how you interact with the Word of God. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, uh, 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 um, they shall worship God in spirit and in truth. So, in truth means they understand the stuff they are doing. It's not just a matter of hallelujah, hallelujah. They understand the gravity of what they are doing. So, we're going to get into one of those things where we're going to understand how to interact with the word of God. Amen. And we're going to start looking at a series. There are a number of series I've started. I think we're looking at the square faith formula, the mm -hmm. faith squared formula. Then we started looking at sowing and reaping, the principle of sowing and reaping, yes. which I didn't finish because we're yet to look at uh, last week we looked at the emphasis, sowing and reaping. Mm -hmm. I emphasized principles. Mm -hmm. The other week then we were, we were 
taken in a different course because we are looking at Easter, so we looked at the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. But today, we also put those other ones on hold. I felt moved to look at um, a, 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 a teaching I'm going to entitle, The Force of Predestination Faith. Hey! The Force of Predestination Faith. You can write that down. The Force of Predestination Faith. Okay? So it's going to be a series, and I'm going to lay a foundation today, which will not make sense to the title, but it's going to make sense to the series. Okay? So we are looking at the force of predestination faith. I talk with my hands, so um, I hope these guys will be able to stand with me until the end of the age. <laughs> they will not fail to lose heart. <laughs> okay. So, um... Part one, you can write down part one, which is going to be titled Understanding and Operating the Twofold Word of God. Mm. Understanding and operating or functioning or using. Okay? Understanding and operating the twofold word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And if I say hallelujah, you have to type it in the comment section. If you are here, you have to shout. Alright, so uh, our guiding principle will be based on the book of Romans chapter number 10 verse 17 which says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what is that guiding principle? That the basis of our faith is the word of God. Mm. That's the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith is the word of God and the direction of our faith is toward God. So it's like you're building a building. Faith is like a building. When you begin to build your faith, it's like you're building a building. When you're building a building, you build on the ground. You do not begin building from the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You do not begin building from the air. Mm -hmm. Or you do not begin building a building from the tree. That would be very interesting. Yeah. So you build it from the ground. Okay? Yes. You build it from the ground. And then, that's the foundation. So the foundation on which our faith stands is the word of God. But as you are building it, you do not build it in the north, in the east, or in the west. You, on a normal day, <laughs> you build it north, it goes up. There's a direction it has to take, okay? So that it can also stand the, the pull of gravity. It has to go up. It also balances it uh, properly well, okay? So it has to have a direction. And faith has to rest in God. So the foundation of faith is the word of God and the direction of faith is towards God. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter number 6 when it talks about the fundamental principles of the word of God, it talks about faith amongst many other or amongst five other uh, basics of the word of God or basics of the faith mm -hmm. and it says and of faith towards God. Mm -hmm. So faith should not be in your relative who promised you to pay for your school fees. God can use your relative. But God, if you put your faith in the word of God and then direct it towards your relative, then there's something wrong there. It means you have misdirected faith. Okay, you can have faith also properly built on the word of God because you've heard the word of God, but you direct it towards your job. Saying it's a job that is going to keep you in Jesus' name. <laughs> so it's like you are misdirecting your faith. 
And this is, you can have faith, you can have the foundation of faith being the word of God, and then you also direct it towards someone you are hoping will be with you, or the investment that you are having. So you have to be careful. This is what I call misguided faith, because a lot of people build faith properly on the word of God, but eventually they end up misdirecting it. So if we look in the realm of the spirit, some people's faiths have got, faiths have got very good foundation, but then it goes wayward. It looks like a very funny building, which was not specifically designed architecturally to look like that, but it was built by mistake. So it goes like that, and it goes like that, and then it goes like this, and then it goes like that. <laughs> so you've got very funny shape of faith, shapes of faith, very funny faith shape types. Ask, ask yourself, what, kind, what, what shape is my faith? <laughs> so it has to be directed towards God. Faith mm -hmm. is toward God. I dealt with a certain young lady who was asking me a question to say she had been believing God for this gadget. She had been believing God for a phone. A very young lady. She had believing, been believing God for a phone. And then an uncle said uh, that she's going, he's going to buy the phone. And then suddenly the uncle had to my project. There's like a funeral this side. <laughs> There's like a what this side. Daughter has climbed. You know, all those kinds of things. <laughs> Uh, and she said, no, but how do you, how do you, how do you distinguish between uh, having faith in God and managing your expectations? And it sounded like a very legitimate question until I realized that her faith was properly based on the word of God. It was founded on the word of God, but then it was directed towards the uncle. You know, this is why the Bible says that to fix your focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. You see, the problem with Peter was not that he did not see Jesus. It's not that he didn't hear the word of God the first time. He heard the word of God and his faith to walk on water was founded on the word of God. But as he began walking, he misdirected his faith from the word of God to the things that were happening to the storms. And that's how come he ended up sinking. And you see, the storms cannot only be the storms. The storms can even be things like, you know, the forbidden fruit. It doesn't have to be a storm. So the word of God says you should not eat of this thing if. But then you look elsewhere from the word of God. You started well. You are founded on the word of God. But as you kept moving, you turned and looked at the forbidden fruit. So you misdirected your faith yeah. from God to the fruit. That's a storm in itself. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's success, which is a storm which misdirects their faith. For some people, it's their own success that misdirects their failure. So there are many of them. Praise God. So Hallelujah. The basis of our faith or the foundation of our faith is the word of God. Very important. I hope you've written that down. Yes. Never forget that. The foundation of our faith is the word of God. Okay? And that is also the source of our faith. This is why the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing. Romans chapter number 10 verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the first, the first encounter you have with your faith is the word of God. Now you may have believed because you heard a motivational speaker. What you had was not faith, it was positivity. What you had was morale. When your uncle spoke to you and he gave you the, the little pep talk before the exam and you felt this fire going down in your soul. It was going in your soul, not your spirit. Because it was an encouragement from your uncle based on experience and, and you know, just hope that anybody can give. See? 
So it didn't burn in your spirit. It burnt in your soul. So the difference between faith and positivism and morale and just zeal is the word of God. It may feel the same, but its results and the sources are different. Because the foundation of faith is the word of God. They may even say, oh no, but, but they have faith. I think we also have faith too after you listen to you motivational speaker, you encourage yourself, but it's different. It's not the same. And it's very important for you to understand that. Okay? So your first encounter with faith is the word of God. Shout hallelujah. Your first encounter with faith is the word of God. Without the word of God, there's no faith. This is why the Bible is telling us Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible also tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you cannot have a relationship with God without faith. You can't. And as at the first time that you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit imparts faith. And that faith is like the antenna. It's the connecting point so that you can please God, so that you can relate with God. Because without faith, you cannot, it's not just about pleasing God. Without faith, you cannot also understand the work of God. Without faith, you can also un not understand the existence of God. You cannot believe the whole concept and notion of God without faith. Mm. So the word of God is very key for purposes of you relating with the realm of the spirit. Because the word of God gives you the necessary faith to see the working of God, to relate with God, to relate with angels, to discern the work of evil spirits. Faith is fundamental. But then it is born from the word of God. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the same way, faith goes by hearing and hearing by contrary things that are contrary to the word of God. Yay! This is why we believers sometimes shun from certain things. I know you want to be informed. But what is the purpose of being informed? What is the purpose of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if that knowledge is just going to destroy you? It matters what you know because what you know imparts a spirit. Whether it's a spirit of faith, whether it's a spirit of fear or a spirit of destruction or a spirit of joy, it matters what you hear. This is why sometimes even when you are hearing, when you are hearing all this stuff being talked about concerning COVID-19, yeah, we, we get it. It's ravaging everybody. But some people, some people are worse than many people are getting sick. If you read on the mortality rate, there are many people that are, get, that are recovering than the people that are dying. Okay? So you find there's some people who, <laughs> they become more sick than the people who are actually sick mm -hmm. because of the worry and the information they are feeding on. Yeah. And then they only recover after two months. And you find that their sickness was COVID worry, <laughs> which, which crushed them. They couldn't think straight. They couldn't uh, plan. They couldn't, the hopelessness was deeper. Why? Because they kept hearing. And CNN never said anything good because it just kept telling you, for example, and, and, and this is an hypothesis, they tell you 20,000 people somewhere have died. Okay? Then they tell you 1 million are infected. They're, but they don't tell you that 700,000 have recovered. They hide that so that you focus on the death and the infection. And that's the problem of the media today. So when your source of information and well-being and decision-making is solely based on the media, you will have an internal problem. You have more sickness within your soul than the sickness itself. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say do not listen to the authorities. We've got authorities, the Minister of Health, 
and, and qualified people are telling us about this thing. But you must be careful also the information you, you receive and also the information you share. Mm -hmm. There are some people who be judged for being false preachers, mm -hmm. for being false teachers. False teachers doesn't just mean you are standing before them. The pulpit and saying Jesus is not Lord. No, <laughs> you know, the, the devil is subtle, is going to inspire you. Are sharing all the wrong information, mm -hmm. and people are becoming afraid. I remember there was one young man who put up this horror video okay. where you are, there was this bright star thinking it's something, then a ghost appears, and afterwards, they show a skeleton. And there's all kinds of, and I was thinking, do not be judged together with Satan. Because somebody is going to look at that stuff that you are going to do and they will not sleep at night because you've injured their conscience. So you are responsible for their, for their brokenness. You are responsible for their mental breakdown. You are responsible. No, but I was just sharing. Yes, you are just breaking them. So you have to be careful, not just the information you receive, but the information that you are going to, 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 to share. Are you listening to me? That's very important. So the same way that faith comes by hearing, it also goes by, there are just some things I refuse to hear. Yeah. And I go and just meditate on the word of God and I just pray. Mm. You soak yourself in the wrong information. Mm. You're having a soaking session. <laughs> <laughs> I remember listening to two young ladies who told me that before they got saved, when they fell a test, they would go listen to the saddest of souls. No wonder people die young. Mm. But you will live and not die. Amen. Hallelujah. So, here's what... When you're reading the Bible, so we're talking about the importance of the things you hear, and we're talking about the importance of information, and we're talking about the importance of the Word of God, because the Word of God is the source of faith. Okay? And that faith is important for you to relate with the realm of the Spirit, for you to relate with things around you, for you to relate with God. Now, I want you to observe something. I want you to explain something further about the two dimensions of the Word of God. Are you ready? Yes, Pastor. Now, when you are reading the Bible, you will discover that um, the Word of God is in two. Are we okay? Yes, Pastor. Okay. You discover that the word of God is in two. When you are reading the Bible, this is very important now, you get your pens and papers ready. When you are reading the word of God, you are going to discover that when you read any scripture that has the word word of God, just uses the word word of God. But when you look at the Greek, you find that there are two forms of the word of God. One is Rema, mm -hmm. you can write that down, R-H-E-M-E. -E. One is Rema, mm -hmm. the other one is Logos, L-O-G-O-S. Okay, so when you are reading the Bible, you may find scriptures that say Logos and they also say Rema, but the English just says word, 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 word. Mm -hmm. So you may not know exactly which one is being used and why that one is being used. Mm -hmm. so this, we're talking about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes uh, I've heard scholars say that it's one and the same thing. And I, and I get their point when you study, you find that there is some similarity. 
but then the difference is very evident. It, it, it's like when you say uh, he went to college and he went to university. You may as well just say he went to school in the English, but the meaning could be different between university and college. There's a difference. Uh, those scholars will say, you may just as well say a human being walked in. No, but tell us, is it a boy or a girl? We know it's still a human being, but is it a boy or a girl? And when you understand the intricacies, it also helps you know which one to use and why which one was used. Okay? Now, we're going to get into a few interpretations uh, and, and, and definitions. What is Logos? What is Logos? I'm going to read a few things and you can take down the notes. Um, when we talk about Logos, it means the entire body of communication generally. It means the entire body of communication. That's Logos. It's the entire body of communication. And when we talk about the entire body of communication, it involves speech, it involves writing. So it's the entire body of communication, including the thought. That is the reasoning, the purposes, and the motives. That's Logos. Are you listening to me? It includes the speech, the writing. It's like the entirety. <coughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. So uh, the Bible is telling us the definitions are, number one, Logos. I said when we look at Logos as the word of God, uh, Logos is what is defined as the entire body of communication, right? Mm -hmm. Which includes the thought, the reasoning, the motive, and the purposes but in terms of communicating so it's the entire body of communication it includes the thoughts the reasoning the purpose the motive even the speech is part of it and the model of communication it's all a part of it it's the entire communication process so it would include, for example, it would include my thought, my voice, the mic, the amplifier. Think of all that. Then it also includes the motive that I'm using, purposes, and the reasoning. That's logos. One dictionary defines it one greek lexicon describes it as the power of the mind that is manifested in reason and speech okay so that tells you that when we are looking at logos we are also talking about the power or the weakness that the mind had which also determines the quality and the effect of the spoken word or the written word or the word communicated anyhow, okay? 
So that is what logos really means. So there are some scriptures which use the word logos to mean the thoughts of God, the intelligence of God, and the entire body of God's communication, and the models he uses to communicate himself. Okay? So for example, the book of John chapter number 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word, word there, is the, is the Greek word logos. Okay? So we are talking about the reasoning of God, the communications of God, the entire body of the divine communication was with God in the beginning and was God. Doesn't that make sense? Think of it as everything I do is an expression of me. So, in terms of communication, I may not necessarily be the ink, but the ink is me because it expresses my thoughts. So, me and the ink become one. You cannot separate me from my communication. So, when I write, I'm expressing my reasoning, my thought process, my motives, and my purposes. Even speaking is part of it. So, that's the logos. So, when the Bible says, and the word became flesh, we are talking about God's thoughts, God's purposes, God's motives, God's reasoning, and the mode being Jesus Christ. He was the embodiment of the word of God. This is very important because when we look at this, it helps us understand who Jesus really is. When we say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we don't necessarily mean like uh, he's like the Son in terms of like, hi, my boy. It's, it's not necessarily that. When we say the Son of God, we mean he hails, he comes from God. He is a part of God which comes from God. And that's important for you to understand because when you understand that, it will help you know what is the place of the Lord Jesus. Wow. So what, that's what it means when you say Jesus Christ is the word of God. But, so the word became flesh, John chapter number 1 verse 14. So everything, the thoughts and purposes of God is, ah, boy, oh boy, oh boy. The purposes of God, the thoughts of God, the entire body of the communication of God was made flesh. No wonder Paul says in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 3 verse 16, it says, great is the mystery of godliness, that God became flesh, was justified in the spirit, was seen of angels, was, was, was preached into, into the nations and the nations of the Gentiles, and was received up into glory. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a mystery that God became human, a human being. Because, they, you see, ah, you see, when we're saying the fullness, maybe let me read this, it will help you understand. I want you to look at the book of um, Hebrews, chapter number one. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. Shaka prakidezo kotos kata. 
Hebrews chapter number 1. <clears throat> I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 2. It says, In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers and by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in the person of his Son, whom he appointed heir and lawful honor of all things, also by and through whom he created the worlds and the riches of space and ages of time. <clears throat> he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order through him. Verse 3. This is where I want you to catch it. It says, he is the sole expression of the glory or the beauty. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. The light being, the outraying radiance of the divine. That means the fullness of God, not just God the Father, but the expression of the beauty of the divine. Wow. Meaning God in his totality is expressed in Jesus. Mm. That's important. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. The very image of God's nature. Upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by the mighty word of his power. When he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of his sins and radiance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he is defined as the sole expression of his glory. So when you read what I have written, that is the expression of my mind. That is the expression of my thoughts. That is the expression of my intelligence. That is the expression of my motives. Whether the motive is designed to mislead you and then lead you elsewhere, that motive to mislead you is my motive. So that is the expression of the motive. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is the Logos, the Word of God. The word of God is also the written word of God. That's why Jesus Christ said, I did not come to abolish the prophets and the law, but I came to fulfill them. So Jesus Christ was the expression of everything that the prophet said and what was written in the law because he is the, what, the, what the law said and he is also what the prophets prophesied. Mm -hmm. So this is, it, 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 it's, a, it's unusual. It's a mystery. The Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh. Then it says, he was seen by angels. What does that mean? Doesn't it mean that they would see him? They wouldn't see him before when he was in heaven? You, you need to understand that some of these privileges that we have to have God live in our hearts. To commune with God is not necessarily the same privilege that many angels have. Yeah, where did you hear that an angel has received Jesus in his heart? But he can live. He said, Paul says, what? Don't you know that your body? That's why I think one angel went to complain one day and he says, who is man that you are so mindful of him? <laughs> and the son of man that you should... We are special. That's why the Bible says, for we have this treasure in earthen jars. There's a treasure that we have in earthen jars. The gospel itself. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peter also says, you, you know, when Peter is writing, he says, uh, concerning this salvation, 
the prophets just looked into it and tried to predict when it would come. The spirit of the Christ in them just tried to look into it, but they were waiting. They didn't know when it would come. And then it goes on to say, concerning this salvation, the angels desire to understand. See, because it's an issue of, you are seeing, you've never met God like the way you've met him before. He appeared to angels. For the first time, some angels were seeing the fullness of the reasoning of God, the heart of God, the mind of God, the outraying glory of God in a baby in a manger. They gazed on God. They protected God. They moved around with God. They, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. But the mysteries are being revealed as we look closer into the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, that is what Logos is. The Logos also means the word of God, the written word of God like I said. Okay? Oh boy. Jesus Christ is God. And as we go on uh, looking at this, we're going to get a deeper understanding of this. What the word of God also tells us about the Logos, which is the full counsel and communication of God. In the book of Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 12, and I'm going to read from the Amplified again. It says, the word of God is living and active. That word, word, is Logos. The word of God is living and active. So the word which God, now there's, there's a... The amplified, the amplified classic gets it wrong because it says, for the word which God speaks. That's not exactly what the Greek means there, okay? But the traditional amplified gets it correct. It says, uh, for the word of God. It just says the word of God because the Logos is not necessarily the one which he has spoken. It is the one that he has written, that is in his mind, that describes who he is. That is him, which the spoken is only a part of it. And it's got its place, we are going to look at it. So, the word of God, that is the logos of God, the nature of the logos of God. And now I want us to look at it in terms of the written word of God, okay? It says, for the word of God is living and active. Already that statement separates it from any other logos. Because there are different kinds of logos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember, this word is not a spiritual word necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's a word that they use in the everyday language, mm -hmm. in the Greek language, to express uh, the body of communication. But then this body of communication is a step further. This Logos is the divine Logos. So we are told, for the word of God is living an act that separates it. And when you're meditating on the word of God, this is what you must be thinking. The word of God is alive. The word that your lecturer tells you is not alive. Most of them are just conceptual. And they are communication of the thoughts of men, which may not necessarily bring you life. They may bring you money. They may make you pass an exam. But they don't really have life within them. But we are told, for the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it inherently operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, 
penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest part of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intents of the heart. Hallelujah. Praise so you see, this is, this is why when we are preaching the gospel, it's amazing. It's amazing how when you read the Bible, people who never heard of God before, heard and believed. Mm-hmm. It's because the word of God is alive. Mm-hmm. It's got inherent ability within itself to change the hearts of men. Mm-hmm. It's not some ideology. No, no, no. It goes, the Bible says, it goes the dividing line of the spirit and the soul. Meaning, whilst everyone, every other logos may only end on the soul, the word of God goes deeper. It cuts first into the spirit. It begins to convert the spirit of man. Aya. The word of God is powerful. It changes people's hearts. It's what, so it, it, remember I told you about the importance of faith. The word of God, as it is coming to a person's spirit, it imparts faith. And that faith makes it possible for a person who never heard of God to believe on Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died for them and went to hell for them and resurrected from the dead. Not just rose from the dead, no, no. Escaped spiritual death and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Far above every dominion and rulership and authority. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That's what the word of God does. It imparts. How can a person just start thinking it's true? He walked on water. How? When that word is preached, it goes into a person's spirit and imparts faith. And with that faith, you begin seeing things that are written. Those things begin to come alive. Why? Because the word of God is living and active. And it judges the intents and the thoughts of the heart. It's deeper and stronger than any argument an atheist can ever give. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, and Paul entered the synagogue and argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And he, he could win many. And this is what you need to understand when you're doing evangelism. As I speak the word of God, it inherently, that word, inherently has power to convert the soul. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's why he was told, meditate on the word of God day and night. That you may observe to do that which is written in it. Then you will make your world prosperous. That means that word inherently, and I want you to mark the word inherently because we are going somewhere special. Mm. It, it says it inherently, I'm saying here inherently has power to convert the soil. It inherently has power to cause changes. It inherently has power to impart faith, to heal, to deliver, to move you from one level of glory to the other. Hallelujah. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. Now, I want you to observe as I am talking. That when I keep using the word inherently, I am indirectly and directly suggesting that the logos or the written word of God or the body of, of the knowledge of God, including his thoughts, purposes, and reasoning, and the things that he speaks, okay? That the logos of God is more potential in its nature. That the word of God is more potential in its nature. The logos of God, as in the word of God being the logos of God, is potential in its nature. I want you to look at this. I want you to look at one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, which is Acts chapter number 20, verses 32. It says, now brethren, Acts 20, 32. It says, now brethren, I commend you to God 
unto the logos of his grace. Mm. Wow. Then he says, which is able to build you and give you an inheritance amongst those that are sanctified. It says, I commend you to God unto the logos. It doesn't say the rema of his grace. Mm -hmm. It says unto the logos of his grace. Then he rightly says, which is able. It doesn't mean because the word of God is there, then it automatically gives you an inheritance. It is able. The word is not dunamis, it's dunamai. It talks about possibility. So it is able to, when I say, you know, I am able to take you, I am able to drive you from here to Kafiu. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I have driven you. It doesn't also mean I will drive you. Mm -hmm. It just means potentially I can. Wow. So this is why the Bible says, the word of God is able to, but will it. And this is where a lot of believers can miss it sometimes. There is this amazing body of knowledge, the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is also in levels and it's in types. There's, there's wisdom which we know because we read. But there's a wisdom which is practical. It's so important. So, what the Bible is telling us is that this Logos of God is leaning more towards the potential, that it, the things it can do for us. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the things that God is able to do for us? Mm -hmm. But how many of those things has he done for us? And why? Imagine the number of things that the Word of God is able to do for us. When we read in the Word of God, the number of things that the Word of God is able to do for us, but how many of those things has the word of God done for us and why? Someone should ask questions. Mm -hmm. If you have to grow up in the spirit, you have to ask questions. And I tell people, there's a difference between having questions and questioning things. Mm -hmm. Having questions means you want to learn. But questioning things means you are undermining their integrity. And you can tell sometimes when you are preaching that somebody is questioning you, using a question which you are supposed to use to learn. The difference is motive. Called rhetoric. I come to a person and I say, you know, one time, one time, uh, one time, um, a journalist when President Sata lost elections went to uh, went to him and said, "You've just lost elections. You've just you've just lost elections. Are you bitter?" <laughs> That's not a question. That's a statement. You're trying to push someone. That's not, you're not asking a question. You're questioning the person. Mm -hmm. Seeing that you did not pass the exams, <laughs> do you think you can do anything in life? You're not asking a question. You are questioning a person's ability to do something in life. No. So, you have to learn to ask questions. Sometimes, because we don't know, we are afraid, we don't yeah. want to ask questions. But we should ask questions, because if we don't ask questions, we will not grow. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, Amen. of the things that are written in the Word of God, amazing promises that are written in the Word of God, and the things that the Word can potentially do, how many things have we experienced? After this, you are getting to a place of experience. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Amen. the Lord. 
So that is also the difference between the Logos and the Rema. The Logos of God is more potential. It's about what it can do and what it is. Until, you see, the Word of God, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Yes. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So in the beginning was God, Genesis number 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the Bible tells us, and the, and the, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was just moving over the waters, the deep. In other words, nothing happened. That means in the beginning, in Genesis, the word was also, was also God and was with God. And it had all the potential that it had to do whatever it could do. But nothing was happening and the Spirit of God was just moving over the face of the deep. Until he said, let there be light, did things begin to change. Wow. Yay! So even Jesus Christ himself will just look and not do anything. As he is born, if he's just sitting, he's not getting baptized, he's not doing something. So it's a difference between the difference between what is potential and what is in motion. It's the difference between potential energy and kinetic energy. So think of it as Imagine this huge rock. Oh boy. Imagine this very huge rock that is about 250 kilograms and it is precariously placed on a very uh, sloppy steep. Okay? And then it is only balanced by a very small stone. And then it's a very long steep like that and it's very sloppy and it's a big stone and it's just balancing by a very small stone that is there and then there are trees this side and you've hanged clothes and the kids are playing around <laughs> and as the wind is blowing over that and as oh boy and as the wind is blowing over uh, uh, that very big stone the small stone underneath begins to crack oh, no. And the kids are playing down here, and the clothes, which are very white, have been hanged. Because you are going to have white Sunday. <laughs> so they are hanged there. So, now, imagine the devastation that it can cause. Imagine, but as long as it has not been let out, all that is just potential. As long as it has not been, you can calculate, and you know, when, when you read, this is how you should understand the word of God. It's like that heavy stone, which can wreak havoc, it can damage things, but it has not yet been released. How do you know that it's very big? Look at the height, because th that's how you measure potential energy. You're looking at the size first, and then that is the mass. And then you are looking at the height that it, it's at. And then you are looking at the speed, or in more technical sense, the velocity that it is going to come with. That can tell you the amount of damage that it can cause. So in the same way, if you want to understand the word of God, let's look at 
its weight first because we're saying potential energy is measured by multiplying the mass and the acceleration due to gravity and the height that tells you how much power or how much energy it is going to come with to cause damage or to do whatever it is going to do that tells you the potential of that thing the potential energy let's measure the potential energy of the word of god number one what is the weight that has been placed on the word of God. Think of it. The weight of the word of God is determined by God himself because God is his word. So we are thinking about the whole weight of God. The Bible, the Bible describes him as omnipotent. So when you think of someone who is omnipotent in terms of the weight they carry, in terms of the mass that they have, just we are imagining. That's serious. So when we look at the word of God in terms of, uh, in terms of mass and weight, we are conceptualizing, but we're also trying to allegorically relate it to physics, okay? So he obviously has the weight because, you know, remember that song we say he's got the whole world in his, in his hands? Mm -hmm. One time the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to me and something I noticed, he appeared to me on a balcony, but I was looking in his eyes and the whole lot of the world was in his eyes. The whole lot of the world. And when I looked, now, I don't know how I can explain this. It was not like the way you would put like the earth, you, like the way you put the earth on a, on, a, on a TV screen and it's just a representation. In the spirit, it looked like the entirety of the earth could fit in his eyes. And yet, he was so small as to stand on the balcony and talk to me. You can imagine that kind of a being. That's how big my... So when we're saying, you are big, 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 large, large, literally. The Bible also says in the book of Psalms, he measures one length of the earth to the other between the two corners using his fingers. So you can imagine the kind of God we are talking about if he was to be measured inside. Yet, he still walked amongst us. That's what the Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. It's confusing. It's a mystery. How? So now imagine his weight. Let's talk about his height. The height of that energy of the word of God. The, the, I mean the height within the formula. Because we are trying to look at the energy with which it can come to crush the clothes that have been hanged. And let's imagine it's not the kids, it's the animals. Because the picture would be, would be bad. Oh, it's the cars. Yes, it's the cars. <clears throat> the Bible says in the book of Psalm chapter number 138 verse 2. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness, for you have magnified your word above your name. Think of it. He has magnified his word above his name. So his word is already magnified in the heavens, in eternity. It's magnified. That means it's lifted higher. Now think of it in terms of height. And that word is coming down. It's magnified above God. The Bible says heaven, earth is your, uh, heaven is your throne and earth is your footstool. So that means when God stands, and let's imagine he was the tallest, and he has set his word above his name. The Hebrew meaning for the word name is the, name, is the word being. So God has magnified his word <laughs> above his name. So it's slightly higher. Now that, 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 that means that even God, conceptually, even God cannot break his word. 
That's what makes him God. The day he breaks his word, he ceases to become God. That defines also his holiness. He's not like a human being who can cheat on his word and do the opposite thing. When God says, it is established and it cannot be broken. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Bible says he has set his word above his name. Now this was a very prophetic word because you find the same kind of language written in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. You know, the Bible says he has glorified him and given a name that is above wow. every name. That at the mention or that at the name of Jesus. Who is Jesus? The word of God. Every knee in heaven, that means he has put that word even above himself in heaven. Every knee in heaven shall bow, and every tongue in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we when we when we honor Jesus, it is to the glory of God the Father. The Bible also said it pleased God that the fullness of deity should dwell in Jesus Christ in bodily form. That means Jesus God is also his word. So when God has exalted his word above himself, he has also exalted himself into his word. Because when we exalt his name, we are also exalting himself because it's to the glory of the Father. Mm -hmm. So that word is at the highest of heights. He said, he said, he said, I, I will get to that very nice part. But are you learning something here? Yes. Hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So now imagine the potential energy and and, 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 and uh, that, that is in the word of God and the potential it can do. Look at its weight. Look at its height. And if it's going to come, you know, when we, when we, look, when, when we look at its height, we are not just talking about it in physical terms. It's also the difference between the realm of the spirit and the physical realm. And also the nature of the spiritual realm from which it is coming is far. The Bible also says in Ephesians chapter number 2, he raised him. To be at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and rule and authority. So we are talking about that potential to either cause harm or good. And, and, and you see, there's, there's also the other side of, because there are two sides of God. That energy, by the way, energy is the capacity to do work. So when we're talking about potential energy and kinetic energy, energy generally, even in physics, it's the potential, uh, it's, it's the capacity to do work. So we are looking at the capacity of the word of God to do work. To do work for you. So it's got that potential, looking at its position, looking at its weight, it's got such potential to do a lot of work. That means it comes with a lot of energy. We are just trying to define what the logos is at this point it is able someone say it is able someone say it is able now for as long as it is in a, in a potential sense it only becomes theoretical until he moves it or someone moves it until he moves it himself. Remember, nothing was happening. 
and the amount of impact that is going to cause is, is dependent on the, like we said, the mass and the height. Mm -hmm. But as long as that small stone has not been moved, it only remains potential. And that is the story of many believers with their relationship with the word of God. It's merely in the potential sense. It's only in the able to do part. It's only in the able part. They have not stepped into the kinetic energy of it. The motion end of it. The, the, the operative motion of it. And some even know that there is such a thing. But their faith to move the word of God in motion is not enough. So this is how come people come to church. They hear the word of God. They shout hallelujah. They feel nice. But they do not have enough strength to go and sit down and practice the word of God and move it from there and make it work in their day-to-day -day life. What an error. That's what the Bible says. Some of the seed, some of the potential, the same potential of the word of God fell on rocky ground. Some fell on thorns with the same potential. But... Because of the nature of the ground, we crushed the mass of the stone of the word of God. We crushed, we reduced the mass of the word of God. The Bible says you've made the word of God of no effect by your tradition. So we reduced the mass of that stone because of our unbelief, because of our offenses, because of how bad the situation is. So we crushed the mass and then we reduced its height to become familiar with it. So even if it's going to be released, it can only do so much. The same word of God. That God has exalted above his own name. Ah, that's ending today. That will not be your portion. Amen. Amen. That's why we pray for you. The Bible says we are praying. So that. That's, that's what the Apostle Paul says. He says we pray. That you may receive strength in your inner man. That weakness should go. Weakness towards the word of God should go. The only time you can hear the word of God and feel good is when you are in church. Mm. But you do not have the drive to practice it in your own room. The only time you remember the word of God is during a funeral. Mm. Or national day of prayer and fasting. Mm. Or when you are about to eat. Mm. And it's just religious. Mm. That's an error and it has to stop. How do we manage, brothers and sisters, to sit down? I feel jealous. The Bible says the spirit who is within us, he, he, he envies, he, he's jealous. How I see people watch series for three hours straight, like they are breaking a record, <laughs> and go to sleep. I don't know if I'm maybe... I'm just too old-fashioned. But how do you manage? How do you manage? And some of you even know what I'm talking about. It, but yeah. even after I finish, you still go do it. Yeah. The, 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 the spirit of God within you will jealous, will jealous. Until he jealous, there's no one who's just looking at you. Yeah. you. See? That's what the Bible says, knowledge puffs up. Someone can become knowledgeable and say it is well. <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> Some discipline. At least if you've watched for three hours the movie, spend 30 minutes, 15 minutes, you've, you've read the Bible, 15 minutes, you've prayed. Mm -hmm. 
How can you? The Bible says, set your affections on things above. Do you know what affections mean? That's a very strong word. It means interests, entertainments, drives, passions. Set your affections on things above, not on earthly things below. Where are your affections? Business. Business, business, all your strength. You shall love your business with all your strength, all your power. And I'm not saying people don't get tired, but you know the problem is after they get tired, it doesn't even bother them that for two days they've not focused. They just sleep like every other unbeliever. So these are some of the things that reduce the force of the word of God. But I believe after today, ah, if you don't change, Amen. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe you are not that type. You are a chosen Amen. generation. Amen. You are a priesthood. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, when we look at the other type of the word of God, understanding Rema now, we are looking at Rema. Rema is simply the word of God which is spoken. Now, the word rhema is also used normally by the Greeks just to say, what did he say? What words did he use to say? It's rhema. But what distinguishes the rhema or what makes the rhema? If you want to understand rhema, you have to understand logos. Because the potential energy that is in the rhema would describe the nature of the, that's in the logos, would describe the kind of energy that the rhema will have. So every power that's in the Logos, the Word of God, is only made in display when it is spoken. Remember, as powerful as God was, everything was just chaos. That's what the Bible says. Until He says. So we never know the nature of the... We never, we never know the nature of the Logos really until we see the rhema. So, the rhema is a reflection of the logos. The same way that the logos should be a reflection of the rhema. Because the two cannot be distinguished. They cannot be separated. Yet they are different. So when you understand what the word of God which is written, the full counsel and communication of the word of God, what it really is, and the potential it has, the energy that it has, the nature, its source, its power, its height, mm -hmm. then you will now have the next stage to take, which is making it practical. And the practicality end of the Logos is the Rema. That's it. Mm -hmm. If you want to see it work, don't just sit down and feel bad. And don't get tired because you've been doing the same thing. The Bible also says, isn't my word like a fire? Like a hammer that breaks down even the most stubborn of stones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the word of God is like that. You hit the wall once, it looks like nothing has happened, but trust me, it's shaking. Yes. You do it again, and you do it again. Before you know it, it breaks. The word of God is also, you know, like a fire. It consumes everything. It may look like it's standing for a while, but it's, it's been consumed. Come on, somebody. I don't know what you've been going through. 
But I want you to keep confessing the word of God. It's like a hammer. Don't get tired because you've not seen the result right away. I'm telling you, as we've been praying, God has been reducing the power of this coronavirus. Amen. As we have been praying, God is taking us back to a certain place. Because this thing may have even killed more people than it has killed. But the prayers of the saints are working. Shout hallelujah. As we release words, as we release rema, as we keep releasing the word of God, things are changing. Hallelujah. That's important. The, 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 we, I, I, I put it this way. Logos is the wisdom of God. So, the wisdom is in the logos, but the power is in the rhema. Meaning the word which God is speaking, that's the power it has. Whether it is coming from a prophetic word, or whether it's coming from the written word of God, when it is spoken and it can, its source can be traced in God, that thing is as powerful as God himself speaking it. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes, Pastor. You know, there, there are certain things that God... I was just looking at how fast my life has been. I was talking to my wife and telling her how fast my life has been. And I'm not trying to exhort myself about above everyone, but I'm trying to boast in the word of God. And you can also boast in the word of God. I was just looking at how fast it has been. My good Lord. It's nothing but the word of God. It's not... I, I stick to the word of God. I wanted to say like a leech. But I stick to the word of God. There is nothing I've been... I've, I've, this has been my life. The thing works. And I'm not going down on it. No. And you're not going down on it. No. It's not possible. How? Just keep going from one level of revelation and glory to the other. In the word of God. That's how it works. Yeah. Because the moment that Adam comes out of the presence of God is the moment that he begins to die. So you cannot take fish out of the water. Because when you take fish out of the water, it may feel like it's getting some oxygen, but it was not meant for the air. It will soon die because its, it's, it's, it's gills were not meant to get oxygen from there. It was meant to absorb from another source. So I understand what my position is. Success is not necessarily a mark that God is with you. You have to know what your source is, where you are sustained, where you have life. And I know, I know, I've heard people talk about uh, paying the price. I've heard people talk about struggling for things. I don't really believe in that because, look, my life has just been like this. Yeah, yeah. It's just been like this. I can't, I can't say, oh, I struggled. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Daniel, what about persecutions? We enjoy them. Kindly, they come with well. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, the Bible says they are not. We are not going unless maybe in the great tribulations, and unless maybe God sends me to Iraq or to China where they're stopping Christians, which would also be fun because Paul said today is game mm -hmm. to live is Christ. Mm -hmm. So anywhere mm -hmm. I'm winning. Yes, Amen. in life. Or in death. Mm -hmm. Or if I will go to heaven by way of getting into <coughs> a chariot like a light. I just know I just know there's no going down from here. Mm -hmm. I, how? I, I can't go down. How? 
Not in my own strength. I'm not that smart. But in Christ. <laughs> Friends who are with me at school, <laughs> ask them, they'll tell you. He was not always number one. But somehow, I'll get some of the best grades. We know in whom we have trusted. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the word of God has to become practical. It has to become practical. And when it is spoken, that means that stone which was there now, hey, that stone, that small stone has finally crashed. And there's just a free fall. Coming down with a force like an avalanche or just that stone coming down, my good Lord, there's no telling the devastation. No wonder the Bible says, for this cause, First John chapter 5, verse 3, verse 8, for this cause, the Son of Man was made manifest to destroy the works of the enemy. The word of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the enemy. That means the destruction of the works of the enemy is in the word of God. There is no fighting in flesh and blood. We fight using the word of God. Let me show you something. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Karabasenteleke brandos kuliadai. Peflo omskili bashata krekedoski bivigidiza. Ephesians chapter number. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter number 6. So we are talking about the Rema now. I'm going to read from this. Um, it's talking about the full armor of God, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to read from verse 14. Okay? Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench. That's a defensive force. Okay, so the, our weapons are also defensive. It says, faith with which we are able to defend ourselves from the strikes and the javelins and the, and the darts of the wicked one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'll make you stand. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rema of God. Wow. It says the sword of the spirit. Is the rema. It doesn't use the word logos. It says the sword of the spirit, which is the rema of God. As we are fighting the word of God, we have faith. And that faith helps us defend ourselves from the enemy. But then if we have to attack, there's a sword of the spirit. Now, that sword of the spirit is the word of God. Fine. But what word of God? The rema, the spoken word. So if we want to defend against our enemy, we can use our faith to defend and run away. Because we know God can keep us. And this is how come, listen, this is important. This is how come we've got a lot of believers. We have got a lot of believers who themselves have been separated from the family attacks. And they've been separated from the family curses because they are in Christ. So their faith has separated them. But then they, are not used, they, they have not used their weapon, their spoken word, their sword of the spirit to liberate their family from the same pangs of the enemy from which Jesus set them free. You're not using it. You're not using it. You got tired. You, it's like a hammer. You keep hitting. 
It's like water. The stone may be strong, but even if it's a drop by drop, it will break the stone. Because water, Kalabash Shagedebesh, is a universal solvent. I hope you got that. I wish you could just understand that little physics and chemistry. Okay, so what we are basically saying is that the spoken word of God, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Don't keep quiet. I remember there was one time when I was learning this. I remember there was one time when I had a growth. So I was like, what is this? I was, I was younger. I was like, what is this? I thought it would go. I found it again. I was like, okay, maybe it will go. It was still there. I said, oh, Jesus, heal me. It was still there. <laughs> I was like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. I mm. cut you out by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what I said. It was still there. A day later, I noticed it had reduced significantly in size. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not an accident. Mm -hmm. I said, eh -eh. now in the name of Jesus, disappear. A few moments later, I was taking a shower and I looked. And the thing was not there. It had gone completely. Amen. The sword of the spirit is the render of God. Because it takes the potential, the written word of God, the counsel, the thoughts, the purposes. This is why believers must be talking. Don't keep quiet. Don't just sleep. If you've got issues, don't just be tired and sleep. Instead of walking down, uh, complaining, start walking down, pacing the floor, releasing the word of God in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, the sword of the spirit. There are some things that God saved me from. Young, because I learned this. I knew I can't fail in life because of this. I knew it's not possible. And I know you are receiving that conviction. Amen. Amen. Oh, blessed be God. Praise Hallelujah. God for his word. Thank God for his word, which is exalted above his name. That word which brings us into the inheritance of the saints. That word which transforms us into one, from one image of glory to another until we become like Christ. That word of God which he sent and healed our disease. That word of God on which we write, blessed be God amongst the elders in heaven. Blessed be God, who is like unto God, great and strong and mighty, great in battle. The great king and king and lord of lords. Who by the word of his mouth sustains the whole of the world. Woo! Hallelujah! Praise God. Praise God. I don't know if you've been there where you just... It's a lot because as you are looking at it, it's also changing you. It's transforming you. Blessed be God. Hallelujah! The sword of the spirit. It says we do not fight against flesh and blood. Even that's why we the church... The highest place we are dealing with this corona thing is in the spirit. Mm -hmm. Remember the time that Gabriel came and there was the Persian Empire where he was and he was talking to Daniel. Then he said, I was detained 21 days. 
by the prince of Persia. That's what he said. But Michael, the great prince, came and delivered me. And so I have had an opportunity to come and deliver to you the message. Then he says, afterwards, I must go back the same place I came because the prince of Grisha should come. What does that mean? You see, there were times and seasons that the father had placed. And then there were spirits that were in charge of each kingdom. The Bible calls Michael the great prince of Israel. Now, there were also evil spirits that, that had been placed by Satan. If God has placed an angel over Zambia, the devil has also placed his own demon over Zambia. So, there was Michael who was a prince of Israel, but there's also a, a, a prince over where they were and didn't want to let them go because it was time for them to go. So, he was resisting that the message should come through Gabriel. So he fought it, but Michael the priest came and let him come down. Mm -hmm. And it was through the prayers of Daniel that all these things were happening. Mm -hmm. Because it was time for the Persian Empire to pass. Mm -hmm. And for the Greece kingdom to now come and take over. Remember how Alexander, he was a Grecian, he took over everything. Mm -hmm. You see it in the physical happening. People are dying. Alexander, Alexander is killing everyone and taking over. But in the timing of the father, there were battles that were fought in the spirit. Mm. The prince of Persia was broken down and another prince of Greece came and took over. Mm. And everything that Alexander was doing, you may have thought he was just powerful, but there was a spirit behind. There were things going on in the realm of the spirit. That's what the Bible says. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's why the stuff was happening. So when the Bible says the sword of the spirit, we'll only begin seeing changes down here when we effect changes in the realm of the spirit using the sword of the spirit. It's not the sword of the flesh. It's not the sword of policy. It's not the sword of intelligence. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the spiritual rhema. Woo, glory to God. Thank God for rhema. Thank God for the word of God. Oh, yes. That's what happens. Have you not read in the book of Judges that when that female judge, what was her name again? Deborah. When Deborah was fighting against the Assyrian kings and the number of kings, the Bible says that the kings fought and their stars in their courses fought. That tells you there was a battle actually going on in the spirit. And they were so defeated, the enemies were so defeated, that they just started seeing the results. All the other kings were defeated. They couldn't even believe it because there was a, a woman leading the whole pack. And they were defeated, but there were spirits defeated first mm -hmm. in the realm of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And the king ran away and went to Jael, I think, the woman who killed him by taking a, a dagger, or I don't know what that thing, drove it through his temple. His fate was to die by the hand of the woman. He couldn't even resist it. Why? 
there was something going on in the realm of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters, don't just be there. Use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Mm -hmm. And soon we are going to start seeing amazing changes on the face of the earth because those are just results of the use of our rhema. Taking on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Don't be quiet. Mm -hmm. Do not be quiet. Over your health, over your destiny, do not be quiet. Keep using the thing. You are yes. cutting through it. Yes. It's got a divine source. It's got a God source. It's got a Jesus source. Every knee bows to it. Come on, keep using it, my sister. Keep using the thing, my brother. Let it keep coming out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want you to look at something very interesting, which is Revelation chapter number 1. So, in Revelation chapter number one, oh boy, I should be concluding this, and, 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 and I'm concluding. But I need to show you this. This is amazing. This is amazing. I want you to look at this scripture. Revelation chapter number one. So, in Revelation chapter number one, he is talking to Jesus, right? Jesus appears to him in glory, and he's talking to Jesus. Jesus appears to him in glory. And then he begins to describe Jesus Christ when he saw him. He says, Then I turned and heard the voice of the one who spoke to me, verse 12 of Revelation chapter number 1. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Okay? In his he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth. Listen to this. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Does that sound familiar? Why was this sword coming out of his mouth? Meaning this was not a sword, it was his word. But his word was as sharp as a double-edged sword. Double-edged sword does not mean this side and this side. It means it's been sharpened like twice. It's, it's, it's laser sharp. Meaning when he spoke, the word went into him. The word went into trees. There was something about when Jesus Christ says, Rise and be healed. Mm. There's something when Jesus Christ said, Come, walk on water. There was something about his words. It came from his mouth. That's Rhema. Mm -hmm. When he spoke. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing for you. See? Out of your mouth is coming a double-edged sword as you speak the word of God. Sometimes it could be 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 a sharp sword because you are gaining on your faith. But the more you stick to the thing, it begins being more sharpened. It begins being more sharpened until it becomes just like Jesus, a double-edged sword. Amen. It came from his mouth, not from his silence. Mm. I want you to look at this. Isaiah chapter number 55, verse 8. The Bible says, this is God speaking. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not re ah, this is powerful. This is listen to this. This is so powerful. It says, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my rhema which goes forth from my mouth. He doesn't use logos there. He says rhema. When you read from the Septuagint, this is the Old Testament. The Septuagint is the Greek rendering of the Old Testament, and they use, the word used there is not logos, it's rhema. It says, so is the rhema that goes, so it's potential. He's saying, like the rains and the snow come down, so he's talking about the release of that potential energy into kinetic. He says, so is the word which comes from my mouth. Haven't you seen that he uses heavens and uses snow? Meaning it is coming with its force down to the earth. And look, as long as you are using that word, it doesn't matter that you're on the earth. Don't you know that Jesus Christ said, I am from above and not here. Although he was walking on this earth, that means although you are walking here, you're not from here. The word you use is still as the one that is from above. So it carries the same height, the same mass, the same weight, and the same acceleration, spiritual acceleration due to the spiritual gravity. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the thing is coming. He says, so is the word which comes out of my mouth. That mm -hmm. word is Rema. Mm -hmm. He says, ah, let me finish reading it. He said, it shall not return to me void. You should put yourself there because God has given you the Rema word to speak. Mm -hmm. It shall not return to you void. The word which you speak, which is the word of God, if it does not return to God void, it cannot return back to you void. Yay! It cannot mm, return to mm, you mm, void. Mm, mm. To this, it cannot return to you void, meaning worthless, haven't done nothing, but shall accomplish what, that which I please and shall prosper in the, the very thing I sent it. See that word. And sometimes, you know, there was a, stand, uh, uh, a man of God who wanted to. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a dream uh, Minister Mono was telling me about. I, I don't remember it very well, but I think it was a shoe. But we, we were arguing. You said it was a what? I was telling you it has laces. Uh -huh. You were telling me, no, come closer. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have laces. Mm -hmm. And then when you came closer. I found the shoelaces. So, so I was saying it has laces. You were saying? No, I was telling you, Dad, you don't wear shoes with shoelaces. Uh -huh. Why do they have shoelaces? Uh -huh. I could sho see the shoelaces from a distance. Uh -huh. So you kept on telling me, no, they don't have laces. So when you came closer, what did you find? I found there were no shoelaces. So imagine the shoe actually had shoelaces, but I refused that it has shoelaces. Mm -hmm. So she kept asking. She says, no, they are shoelaces. I said, no, they are not shoelaces. She's actually seeing the shoelaces. I'm also seeing them. Mm -hmm. But I keep saying, they are not shoelaces. Mm -hmm. Until when she came, she found there were no shoelaces. It's an expression of faith. Mm -hmm. I kept denying what she kept saying until it disappeared. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> a certain man of God wanted to buy a house. Kenneth Hagin. He said, we want to buy that house. He told them he'd sent his wife to go check for the house. And uh, they said, ah, no, actually, this is our family house. We wouldn't want to sell it. He told his wife, they want to sell it to us. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> No prophetic word, he was just releasing a word. One month later, he told her, go check. 
she went. They said, no, we are not selling it. Didn't we mention? He said, don't, know, don't worry. They just don't know it yet. They, are, they want to sell the house to us. After again, some time again, he says, go and check. <laughs> she said, ah, you go yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that night when she went to check, apparently they had just been feeling a night before that they have to sell this house and they thought they should sell it to him. Wow. Tell your neighbor, I told you. I told you. A time is coming when you stand on the word of God until it happens. Why? Because it cannot return back to you void. It's Rema. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of God. Hi. It will not return unto me void. It will not return unto me void. There is what we call the destructive and the constructive word of God. It not only destroys, it also creates. Remember, Albert Einstein said, energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but it changes form. That means the word of God, with its energy, can either change to destroy, but it can also change to build. Because one dimension of the word of God is that it crushes even the most stubborn of stones. But another one builds. Mm -hmm. So the word of God can crush, but it can also build. Mm -hmm. Don't you remember? Ah, this is interesting. Don't you remember what happened to Ezekiel? He was in the valley of dry bones. And the Bible says, they were dry indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and God asked him, can these live? The mighty man of God. In Ezekiel 37, that means he had grown. That's the seven chapters later. He looked at them and said, Ah, no, you know everything. <laughs> Maybe if it was just a dead body, you'd have been like, Come on, God, we can do this. But the bones, listen, the bones were not only dry indeed, but they were scattered. So that means one's limb was there, and then their head was the other side. But then God taught him how. He said, release Rema, prophesy to these bones. The word wow. prophesy comes from the word to bubble forth. Mm -hmm. It means to speak forth. It says, prophesy to these dry bones and tell them to join together. And the Bible says, and the bones, when he prophesied to them, he, one bone came, one bone to the other. They started looking for each other. They started looking for the right body to go to. They started looking for, they started looking, ah! They started looking for where to go. They, the bone would come and say, no, this is not where I'm supposed to be. No, this, ah, yeah, this is the right one. They knew. The bone knew where to go. Do you know what Rema is? When he released that word. And then he said, prophesy that the flesh begins to come. And the flesh began to come. Where did the flesh go? Because those were bones. That means there was decay. If you think when you die and you decay, that's it. Read Ezekiel 37. How is it going to happen on, judge, on, 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 on resurrection and, and what? Ezekiel 37. What if the person was bent? Ezekiel 37. <laughs> yeah, because they had rotten all they liked. <laughs> they had tried their best. But haven't you heard that God created man from dust? Mm. 
From dust into flesh. Meaning if the flesh decides to go back into the dust, the same God can make the dust into flesh. Hey! So, sir, when you die, it's not the end. You can rot all you like. You still come back from the dead. That's why he's called God, Kylie. That's the constructive word of God. So you can also use the word of God to construct. And with the word of God, it says, I've made you a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet speaks the word of God. And with you, I will grow, I will build nations and destroy some. It's the Rema word of God, the active word of God. I think this Wednesday, I'll teach a little bit more on how to, because I feel like I'm not done. There's a lot I need to teach so that people can learn to practice the word of God. I'm going to talk about how to receive Rema. How to receive it. That's what we are going to, to talk about, how to receive it. So I think we're going to end just now. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. Open your mouth. Pray in the Spirit. Begin releasing words in the Holy Ghost. Taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And 